Hello, and welcome to the Sitcom Club podcast number five. This is Hey Ho, Mooncat and Co. Joining me this week is your old pal Ocho. Hello. How are you doing? And of course I was missing last time, wasn't I? Yes, you were. Yes. What order were we recording these in? What order are these? You were missing last time. I'm missing next time You're missing as well, next time, exactly. Yeah. another story. I don't know about just now. I hope that you're here at the moment. I'm here in spirit. I don't know what the noise is going to be like either, because I've got the fan going and all the windows up, because it's about 95 degrees Fahrenheit here at the moment. So. Yeah. Now, now, I was just going to interject here. Well, you can clean it up. Oh, Never mind, go don't on. Be, don't be filthy. Don't lower the tone this early. It was it's it was an ambivalent thing. It didn't. No, never mind. We'll discuss the right way later on. But let, let's let's keep it highbrow for now. Anyway, so this is podcast number five, of the sitcom club. And I need to explain what's going on with this one. This is a bit of a different format this week. Next week we're going to be discussing men behaving badly. Last week we were discussing chalk. The previous four episodes are all available to download on iTunes and at sitcomclub.com. Now this week we thought that we would take a little breather little sip of tea or coffee if you prefer and we're going to go through some of the feedback that we've had from listeners in the first few weeks let me say right away big welcome to everybody who's listening to the podcast for the very first time our fellow sitcom club member dr christian troy has been doing a sterling job putting the word out on social media and he's created a new facebook page so if you're not aware of that already just look for the sitcom club on facebook so we know we've got a lot of people have joined that over the last week and so a lot of people have been listening to this podcast for the first time so welcome we hope to welcome you in the weeks to come this is only like i say the fifth episode of the podcast so just a very very brief history lesson this podcast is produced in association with the Cooked and Bombed Comedy Discussion Forum website. And myself and Ocho and Dr. Christian Troy and Ocho Boganstrovia were all from that particular location. And out of our bits and pieces, out of our chats on that website, we developed the sitcom club. And each week we discuss uh, usually one particular sitcom. Sometimes it might be discussion on a particular theme, whatever it may be. Now, Ocho, for anybody who hasn't heard this before, I'd just like you to explain your comment there. You said about it was 95 degrees where you are. Now, you're not in Outer Hebrides, are you? Are there Inner Hebrides? Well, I've not been there personally, but I think that the fact that there are Outer Hebrides, I'm presuming that there must be Inner Hebrides, but I've never heard them referred to as Inner Hebrides, so if we can get one of the team to research that, look that up, and then come back to us, that would be jolly nice. Because, I mean, there's Essex... Sussex and, of course, the no longer existing Wessex, but I've never heard of Norsex or Norsex. Well, you say no longer exists. Sorry, I've just got a little geographical... Uh, th- no, so I'm in um, I'm in California. You say you say no longer... I've just got to interject here again, and this is going to be a health mess on the carpet, but you say there's no longer a Wessex, but I know of a student newspaper called Wessex Scene, so it lives on in spirit, if not in but the it's name. But it's not... Yeah, it's not an actual council, is it? Or mm, county council? No, I guess not, I guess not. Ceremonial place yeah. well i know that dct has well been... that was a dead end yes it did well, i was just going to say actually i was going to rescue that link because i know that dct has actually been working as a feature for the sitcomclub.com website he's been working on the, the sitcom map of britain and identifying a lot of the locations that are used in the various shows so who knows maybe we'll find something involving wessex in a future show Anyway, sitcoms. You're the chairman, generally, aren't you? Well, you, well you, you, you say that, and I try and keep control, but usually I'm fighting a losing battle, to be honest. But, um, yes, I've got some bits and pieces in front of me here. Now, the first thing I was actually going to say was huge congratulations to Olivia Coleman, who won two BAFTAs last night at the ceremony. And no matter what she goes on to do, because she's in all manner of dramas now. She was in Broadchurch most recently and accused and so on. And she'll Mr. Witcher. Yes, indeed. And I, I have no doubt she'll probably get an Academy Award uh, at some point in the future. But I will always think of Olivia Coleman as Sophie in Peepshow. And if I can be boastful for just one brief second, it's not like me. But I'm really proud of the fact that I discovered Peepshow the night it started. I just found it in the Radio Times and it said, Mark and Jeremy are two very ordinary weirdos who share a flat. I thought, that'll do me. There you go. And that was all the way back in 2003, I think it was. And I was hooked. See, I never got very far with Peep Show. Oh, that I is... I tried watching it and just kind of oh, zoned out. Outrage. Well, as you've uh, heard, dear listeners, we don't always agree on this show. And bloody boring it would be if we always did. One other thing I was going to say, actually. The earlier one today, Gold, was showing the first Christmas episode of Only Fools and Horses. With the original title music. Ah, splendid. Yes, now there used to be... 
So yeah, well, exactly. That's the bit that's that sticks a, in my mind. That's an excellent rendition of it. Yeah, for people who don't know, um, Molly Fools and Horses Series One had what you might call a standard jokey sitcom. Something like that, wasn't it? And then for years and years and years and years, they replaced the season one repeats. They put the new soundtrack on top of the old one. But for some strange reason, episode one of season one and the Christmas episode survived and always went out in their original form until just a couple of years ago when they remastered all the episodes. And now episode one, Big Brother, even has the new theme. But somehow the Christmas episode has still slipped through the net. So if you want to hear what it sounded like in the first place, then track that down on gold. It's it's probably going to be on right now, because it usually is at some time of day or another. But anyway, so yes, we've got some mail to get through here, and some comments, and some bits and pieces. So... Thank you very much for everybody who's got in touch. A lot of people have cooked on Bomb. A lot of people have got in touch with us on Twitter. First of all... Oh, actually, Ocho, this one's for yourself. And it's, when are you guys going to discuss spats? And that is from me. I'm ready whenever, because I have watched the three available ones. I need to watch the clips, because there's one where it's only available in sequences. Uh, but I've watched the three full episodes that are floating out there. I don't say I'll have a great deal to say about it. Well, actually, I did build up that, of course, an interesting picture of race relations in the early nineties. <laughs> I'm being serious. Yeah, I know. I know you. Are, I know. Yeah. Um, I just want to just want to point out before you mention that that when you say the three that are in circulation, these just happen to be the three that that are floating around the internet. These things haven't been wiped. They haven't been destroyed or anything like that. This is not some terrible fate that's befallen along the lines of the TVS archive. It's just that. Nobody's actually got around to repeating it yet on Comedy Central or anywhere else. But yes, yeah, so you notice that there is perhaps a theme, a certain inclination towards jokes of a certain type in the initial episodes. Are we going to just discuss spats now, or should I save this for a future? I think a mini spats discussion would not go amiss at this stage. No, it's just interesting. You've got Vess Blackwood and Stephanie Charles, and I haven't seen any comment on um, their collar. And I'm sure if there is, it's just as a cultural background, very positive. Whereas Ling Tai is Lily, the, uh, well, over, over here I have to say Asian. And uh, you still use the word Oriental in the UK. Yeah, we were actually... I'm going to split the difference and say Southeast Asian. Yeah, that, 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 that's fair enough. Yeah. About the first line out of her mouth commenting on Canadians and Americans is, they all look alike to me. And then in one episode that's centred around her, there's a line, oh, have I ever told you how much I like egg rolls? And it's all about her father pushing her academically. So it's like, okay, okay. So for the Southeast Asian girl, that's still her shtick. So the first one there, the first gag there, you could sort of excuse that and say, well, Spats is, of course, for anybody who isn't aware, Spats is a sitcom which was a co-production in uh, UK and Canada. So maybe it's a sort of a, a Canadian gag. More than a Southeast Asian gag, if you know what I mean. But it's the whole stereotype. It's supposed to be a stereotype subverted, but they all look alike to me. But it's the first thing out of her mouth. I'm sure if we watched the entire series from beginning to end... And we will. I know she's only in 13 episodes. And Network, if you want to put it out on DVD... So hang on, does, she get, does she get replaced by Katie Murphy? I'm presuming so, yeah. Scottish I, I gags! Yes. There's lots of them, and she's a Celtic fan as well, and that gets that gets mentioned in one episode. Yeah, but the thing is, is that the Scottish deserve it. No, no, again, <laughs> you could, it's just not quite the same to me. It's just, it, I'm not making any larger point or anything, or trying to make anybody feel bad. I can't. I'm a white guy. I, I, I'm talking whereof I know little. But I just thought it was interesting. That, that was just interesting that that's how it goes. In one of the earlier ones, we're talking about how one of the reasons they don't show Love Thy Neighbour on gold is because it doesn't make any financial sense in a way to show it. Because you're alien. And, and But the thing is, I just remembered now, I really need to slightly apologise for that. Because I made it sound like the only reason you shouldn't show these shows is just the bottom line. <laughs> Pounds and pence. That's the only reason. Not because it's the right thing to do. Just... Bombs on seats, <laughs> money in the bank. So I apologise if it made it sound like my entire view of race relations comes down to uh, money. 
No, I, I know you didn't. I know you didn't mean it to come across like that. And to be fair, I think I actually. Um... Oh, you, yeah, but you're, you, you know, you're not a member of a, an ethnic minority, um, are you? Well, well, I'm. I'm. Some people would describe me Scotch. Does that count? You're in Glasgow. That's true. <laughs> but um, I, ha- I have lived outside of Glasgow. Uh, I spent some time in Loch Lomond, for example. But anyway, no, I, I agree. And, and, the point... and I have no problem with the Scottish. I think they're almost human. Now, don't get me back onto deep fried. <laughs> I'm going to turn you into Magleshen. I'm going to want you off the top. Then we're going to get into discussion about certain words that it's okay to use, because there are some words that he uses back in uh, 1990 that you probably wouldn't use on a sketch show these days, but uh, we'll discuss that in all time. Of course, that's sketch shows anyway. We're not we don't talk, yeah, that's sketch yes. shows as well. Yes, the sketch club can look after that. There isn't a sketch club, by the way. So if you want to start that, dear listeners, grab it. Uh, I'm sure the domain is available. So, actual, real correspondence that we've had. And this is going to be a bit of an uncomfortable one from myself. Lapsed Cat on Twitter says, can I nominate a sitcom for a future podcast? Of course you can. Filthy Witch and Cat Flap. Lapscat nominates from when Ben Elton still knew his comedy onions. Now, I've got a confession to make. Thank you very much, Lapscat, for that tweet. And of course, Phil Fitch and Cat Flap, Smashing Series, we've added that to the list. That is now, believe it or not, 26 years old. Is that right? Yeah, 26 years old. Now, I actually mentioned something to yourself off air, which we'll just probably started tonight. I said that I was doing research for this show this evening. And I knew that the subject of The Right Way was going to come up. For any international listeners who aren't aware, The Right Way is a sitcom just started on BBC a couple of weeks ago, written by Ben Elton and stars David Haig as an overzealous health and safety officer. Now, I'd only seen episode one of this, and I thought, that's not really fair, I can't really discuss it at length. I've seen only one episode in the first episode and so on. So I watched episode two. I'm actually beginning to warm to it, to be honest. Yeah, but you liked Blunder. Uh, yes, I, I still like Blunder. And I'm, I'm just disappointed it's no longer available on 4OD. But, how can I put it? This is going to sound ridiculous, but we, we've discussed this previously. The Right Way is starting to warm to me because it's a type of show, in a way, that I thought that Odd Man Out was going to be, but wasn't. And I am still trying to put my finger on why this is, and I'm still not entirely sure. But they're both big, broad comedies with the performance level turned way, way up. That's the problem I have with it. Have you been watching Vicious? I was going to comment on Vicious as well. I have seen Vicious. Vicious, on the other hand, that was a chore for me to get Ah, through. now you see, I'm staying up with Vicious. I, I, found, I found Vicious heavy going. Um, I can cope with Vicious even though it's not as good as it should be. And it's not just a matter of the performances. The second episode, it needed a a bigger ending. But part of that thing is, you know, there's this whole new orthodoxy about how sitcom is just so much cleverer and classier if it's shot single camera, no studio audience. And then, of course, there's this self-conscious revivalism the IT crowd was the first time that that was being plugged as a reaction. Not just, just the way you make a sitcom, but this reaction. And unfortunately, we've now got this idea that it's like, if it's going to be three-walled, multi-camera, studio audience, then everybody's going to be pitching their performance to the back of the gods! No, you can do a little bit up. There is up playing and down playing. But it's just this idea that people are now bellowing and reacting completely insane and you look at the for want of a better term golden age of three wall multi-camera it's slightly up but it's not every single show was like that ever decreasing circles is not naturalistic but it's only howard and hill that act like howard and hilda in that and now we're getting shows where everybody is howard and hilda turned up yes i know what you mean and let me just explain my comment about the right way is sort of the show that i wanted odd man out to be odd man out is late 70s vehicle for john inman and everything's turned up everything's over the top 
And when I'd heard about this previously, I thought, I'm going to love this show, because that's usually the kind of show that I really go for. A big, broad comedy where there's no pretensions, there's, there's no, nobody's sort of thinking I might be able to get myself a part in a Mike Lee film as a result of doing this. It's just, for the hell of it, what the hell, it's a big, broad farce. And Odd Man Out was such a disappointment, it just left me cold. I really couldn't figure out what it was about it that I didn't like. And I'm sort of that way just now between The Right Way and Vicious. They're very similar shows in that sense, is that the performances are all camped up, for want of a better word, and there's no attempt at any kind of sort of subtlety or anything like that. But yeah, Vicious, I just found a slog to get through. I, I felt as if I, I sort of had the measure of it within a couple of minutes. So I sort of thought, okay, this is going to be what it's about. The two of them are just going to be sort of going back and forward. Okay, yeah, I get it. Okay, fair enough. And that was it. Whereas... The right way, how can I put this? I don't want to be one of these people who says it's so bad it's brilliant, because I've never really gone down that line. I think if something's bad, then it's it's bad and you're not going to enjoy it. And if you enjoy something, then surely it must be good. You can't really enjoy something that you dislike. But there's something about the right way, I haven't seen a couple of episodes of it now, I've still got a third one to go, where it's almost like it really doesn't give a bugger what anybody else, what any critics think of it. It's just going to do its own thing. And some bits of it irritate me, but for example, I laughed out loud at the the salami and strategically placed onions. A most obvious gag in the, the whole book, but I laughed out loud at it. What the hell? So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm clearly in a minority here. Whenever I read Twitter comments, I mean, I didn't even know what the right way was when it started. And I just saw this massive Twitter comments on a Tuesday night. Um, and it looked as if this was going to lead to another director generalship resignation. You know what I mean? It was just like some something appalling has happened. Something has happened on BBC One and we don't really know how it's happened, but we're all terribly aghast. And the BBC may have to at least temporarily close down. And I thought, first I thought, what is this right way? Is this some reality shit? What is this, like, only way is Essex? Is it that kind of thing? And then, of course, discovered what it was. <sighs> How's the best way to describe it? If you like the thin blue line, you probably like this. Same writer... Some of the same cast, similar kind of humour. I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people are making it. Uh, I, th- I think the reason it's getting so much stick is because of who the writer is. And because, of course, people yes, are Yes, gonna... there is that. And I've seen that on a message board. It be- eventually descends into, well, I never liked Ben Elton anyway. Yeah, exactly. And also, as all people have said, and it's a perfectly fair comment, the things that people are comparing it to quite often, things like Blackadder and so on, were co-written. And so Ben Elton brought his strengths to the table, just as Richard Curtis did. Uh, same goes with the young ones, for example. So I don't think the comparisons with material that he co-wrote are entirely fair, but yeah, uh, what the hell. And also it's grist to that whole sitcoms are just so much classier when nobody's laughing. Grist to that mill. Well, now this... Because I also want to bring in here... Did you watch the job lot? I was just gonna say this. I was just gonna. This is a really, really unfair comment I'm gonna make, and I'm gonna feel bad for saying it. But I've got the job lot saved off on Sky Plus, and I've yet to watch it. And the reason I've yet to watch it is because, just from the little details that I know of it, I already think that I know what it's gonna be like. I didn't get very far with the job lot. One of the problems I had with that was it's like, well, actually, no, the nature of the jokes, the nature of some of the characters, this actually does need pushing up. This is a show which would suit three walls and an audience. These are soccer boffo laughs that are being downplayed to their disadvantage. It's a bit like, I don't know if I've mentioned this before on air or if I just mentioned this in a conversation with you. When I was DJing a few years ago, there was just this sudden rash I was being sent promos and it would be a song from the 70s or 80s that was being covered very slowly and acoustically. The one that sticks in my mind is somebody did a slow acoustic cover version of Video Killed the Radio Star. (laughs) You have not brought out the melancholy. The melancholy was already in there and much better for being fully arranged and quite fast. This is why in productions of Hamlet... You don't have Fortinbras come out at the end and go, Rosencrantz and Gilderstone are dead, and that's really sad, you know? Because they didn't do anything wrong, and the Hamlet's dead? Oh my god, this is awful! Give it ten years, there'll be a BBC free production of Hamlet that will do that. (laughs) And the job lot is the slow acoustic cover version of comedy. 
I want to talk about the flip side of that because I'm. it's not a matter where I'm a traditionalist who believes that everything should be like on the buses. <laughs> I don't believe anything should be like on the buses, not even on the buses. <laughs> My nervous system can't cope with I that. did watch an episode of it earlier on. You knew I was going to say that in a way. So what the hell? I thought I might as well just confess it just now. I watched. I haven't actually finished it. I got distracted. I started watching an episode of Potter from, is that 1979? Yep, Roy Clark. I watched it and I got to a certain point. It's like, this really should not have an audience. It's a bit like Roy Clark working out his internal Carla Lane. There is a bit where Potter's wife goes on a sort of a soliloquy while there's somebody in the room about her lost opportunities, her lost youth. And the audience are chuckling along. And it's, it's not so much a case of, well, no, this isn't funny, this is really tragic. But it's like, yeah, this is amusing. This is humorous. This is It was humorous. It wasn't comedy. It's like, this is not Soko Boffo laughs. And it interests me. I'm somebody who believes that three wall multi camera has its place in television and should still exist for certain things. Certain things would benefit, certain things wouldn't benefit, and certain things could go either way. I'd really like maybe today is the day for that discussion where we talk about if you could just wave a magic wand and change the format of any sitcom, what do you think would work and wouldn't work? And if you want another one, Something we're going to get to at some point is Getting Sam Home, the special of Last of the Summer Wine. It's essentially Last of the Summer Wine, the movie. It's a completely different experience, but it works. Actually, Last of the Summer Wine has its own problems. I think it's the first series I had to stop watching because I don't know where they shot it, but the audience just drowns out itself even. It's like they've pumped the studio audience of Grandad up. <laughs> and put them in an aircraft hangar. <laughs> there's not there's not enough as far as I'm concerned, there are not enough sitcoms on television where the audience eventually gets so loud that it completely drowns out the dialogue. Uh, and then eventually reveals itself to be a canned laughter track. Along the lines of Rowan Atkinson presents canned laughter, if you've ever seen that. And if you haven't, then I've just spoiled the big reveal at the end of it for you. So apologies for that. But yes, I know what you mean. And the only series that I can think of where that's actually happened, and it's one I'm looking forward to reviewing, is the Tommy Tiernan sitcom Small Potatoes. It's on Channel 4, early 2000s. Because that underwent a complete change from Series 1 to 2. Series 1 was free walls, studio, big laughs, and so on. Series 2 suddenly had the, the film look applied, no studio audience, much more handheld camera and close-ups and so on. And both series, for me, really stand up very well. And it's almost like a sort of nice transition, isn't You've got used to the characters in the old-fashioned setup, and then this new setup, it's like you're going to get a little bit closer to them, you're going to find out a little bit more about them, because they don't always have to play for big belly laughs from an audience. So it can be a little bit more subtle. And I think that, yeah, I think that in Getting Sam Home, there's, there's quite a bit of that in there as well. Not just the fact that they've got an hour and a half to work with all of a sudden, but they don't have to go for big laughs from an audience. So thank you very much to Lapscat, who also said on Twitter, with regards to our next podcast, fingers crossed, it's not all about Take a Letter, Mr. Jones. Well, Lapscat, it wasn't going to be at all about Take a Lesson, Mr. Jones. It still wouldn't be all about Take a Lesson, Mr. Jones, but now that you've mentioned it, I think at least a small part of it should be about Take a Letter, Mr. Jones. Because this is... I've got that here somewhere, so... I, I, I never, doubted I for, never doubted for a second that you did. Um, well, I don't have Oddman out. I made no effort to obtain Oddman out. You know that you could have got hold of Take a Letter of Mr. Jones much, much earlier than we could hear because it was actually released on VHS in the US. Uh, because obviously oh, with yes, the, the, the I being self connection. Yeah, exactly, the I being self connection. Whereas it's only just within the last few years come out on DVD in the UK. What I am going to do later, and it's not really any use for this podcast, but I thought I'd mention it, I'm going to watch uh, episode one of The Fosters. I don't know if you've heard the news, we're talking. Before we started recording, wasn't it? We are talking about not going out, which is going to go up to Series 7. Interesting. And at some point, I'm guessing between the two series, there's going to be a remake of Everybody Loves Raymond with Lee Mack. Yeah. Do you know about this? Now, now then, Vicky Lee 
got in touch with us on Twitter to say, yay, one final episode of the IT crowd to be made. Boo, BBC is remaking Everybody Loves Raymond with Lee Mack. Sitcom Club thoughts. So, what are your thoughts on that? I was talking to my wife yesterday, who is an American. Don't look at me like that. What? I haven't even got a webcam turned it's on. It's a fact. No, not you. She's here. So oh, I see. Look, look like I'd said... Like I'd said something terrible. Like you said American in italics. Just to make it clear, the different frames of reference. And I was talking about all the UK translations of US shows I could think of. Now, I can only think of four, and three of them were colossal disasters. Married for Life, Married with Children remake. Days like these, the That 70s Show. Of course, I said that one of the problems with that is... ITV boasted that it had got the original production team of that 70s show involved. It's like, the 70s in Britain and the 70s in the US are different planets. <laughs> yes. They're completely <laughs> different. They're not comparable. It's a horrible... Americans gr- had And the Grimleys had already been on, hadn't it? The Grimleys had kind of yes, exactly. that yes. dreadful orange wallpaper speckled with angel delight world. <laughs> So you said you, you and the Brighton Bells. Of course, yes. I was gonna. If you hadn't said Brighton Bells, I would have been screaming it down the. Um... Because the Brighton Bells, the principal problem of that, I don't know if it's going to be quite the same for this. Everybody loves Raymond remake, but as far as I could see, the big problem with the Brighton Bells was anybody who wanted to watch the Golden Girls had already watched the Golden Girls. Yeah, and they'd been on for about what about seven or eight years before Hannah yeah. wasn't. It wasn't an immediate remake. I know Channel Four has never got the same sort of viewing figures, or certainly in, in the 80s and 90s, did not get the same sort of viewing figures as ITV. It's a potentially bigger audience, but anybody who was already in the know was going to give it bad word of mouth. And The Fosters was the only one I could think of that wasn't a complete disaster. I can give you another one. Just sprung to mind oh, just now. And excellent. It's, it's, yes, on our, it it's on our list to be discussed soon. Uh, UK version of Who's the Boss? The Upper Hand. Ah! <laughs> Of course, of course, of course. I'd forgotten about that one. And of course, that was its own little success story because they brought it to a natural conclusion and then had to bring it back. Yeah, never a good thing. That would be a belter of a question that we could throw out to all listeners. And anybody who's got an answer to this, tweet us at this sitcom club. Okay? Can anybody think of a show which has reached a natural conclusion and then come back? and still been successful when it came back. Because I'm thinking of things like The Upper Hand, things like Only Fools and Horses, walking off into the sunset, and then suddenly five years later, they're back. So if anybody can think of a continuation of the same show, I'm not going to allow sequels, so anybody typing in whatever happened to the like, lads, that's a sequel. doesn't count. But if anybody can think of any show that came back after it reached its conclusion was still as good, then we will discuss that. There's something when we get to it, and I need to watch it from beginning to end, is watching, if I remember correctly, is a case of not coming to a natural conclusion and coming back, but something I wanted to mention, that storytelling engines, which is sort of a fancy word for format, but it means something... Old lag in prison, new offender in prison. That's the engine from which Porridge tells its stories. It's not just the format... And it's breaking your storytelling engines. That's the thing I want to talk, which I think watching did. Watching was that case of, will they want there? And then, it, no, they won't. No, they won't. Like, oh, hell. They might. They might. Yeah. Come back, everybody. Yes. Whereas, actually, in Pottage, first episode, Gobber arrives at HM Slade. And then last episode, leaves. Perfect. Uh, and no... But you can't... They couldn't have done a, a, a series of porridge after going straight. <laughs> no, we actually, horrible. We said, we said <laughs> off, the, off the air the other day um, that... Because I just watched Porridge the movie. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say, if, it would have been lovely and also really, really horrible if just for the British audience, if they had included a little 10-second bit of dialogue between Fletcher and Godber in the film version of Porridge in which Fletcher said... God, I never expected we'd be back in here. And that was it. Nothing else said, but it just depresses the audience straight away. 
They, the audience was pretending that all this happened five years ago. No. That happy well, ending and then they're going straight. It's all gone to shit. Worse and worse. That's just putting a line about. No wonder Ingrid killed herself. <laughs> Why did they have to try and rob the till at the hotel during the wedding reception when everything was going so well? Oh, God. They found the remains of lukewarm the other day. <laughs> Actually, actually, he he does get a, he does get mentioned in Going Straight, in episode one. Yes, yes, he does. Yeah, and he it it is a bit of a shame that he is a recidivist. He... Yes, yeah, you, you'd like to think that perhaps he'd, he'd settled down uh, with his partner, the antique dealer. No, I was thinking though, uh, watching Porridge the movie, there are certain things that just couldn't happen after Going Straight. Well, for a start, Mackay is retired. Yeah. Yes, this is true. And there's just no way they'd put him in the same... There's no way everybody would end up back in McLaren and Warren. No, actually, here's the thing. Here's, here's, here's a puzzle. Given that Mackay's there, and given, as you say, the old team back together again and so on, we are not supposed to believe that this is a continuation of what's gone before in the episodes. So, therefore, why do we need to have the new inmate in the shape of Daniel Peacock's character. Why didn't God become in from the beginning and retell the story? It's one of those odd things, is it, that it has to try and span two different audiences. It would be a wind-up to the audience who are really familiar with Porridge to just sort of sit... Right, this is a... I mean, they, they didn't really have the concept of a reboot in those days. They didn't really have the concept of continuity, despite the fact that Porridge, the series, actually has a fairly strong serial element in the background. You can watch any episode in any order, but there are things that pay off in subsequent episodes. I'm never, I'm not a big one for story arcs. I don't really like the way that all television, all television now, has to be story arcs. And basically, if you missed series one, forget about series two. Funnily enough, um, a lot of talk on Twitter and for those who are unaware uh, our podcast concerns itself solely with UK sitcoms but just to ever so slightly deviate from that rule for just a second a lot of talk on Twitter this week about the new Arrested Development which is going to be premiered on Netflix in the coming months I remember discussing Arrested Development with a friend of mine and he was bemoaning the fact that it would come to a premature end uh, after only three series, I thought series three was a bit of a step down, actually. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Um, but the, the the discussion that we were having at the time was along the lines of something. Say, let, let's take Friends as the obvious example. Friends has got a story arc, it's got plot development, character development, and so on, relationships start and end, and so on and so on. But you could still just pick up an episode of Friends, and within a relatively short space of time, you'd know what was going on. Arrested Development, one of the really nice things about it, but also has its own problems, is that it's got so many in-jokes, it's got so many references to things that have gone before, that if you were to walk in in the middle of Series 2, you I mean, you have a sort of like a basic handle of who the characters are by the voiceover at the beginning, but I mean, there's a hell of a lot of stuff that you'd miss there. A lot of gags, both dialogue and visual gags and so on, that would just completely pass you by. Um, I think actually the the creator of it mentioned in a, a satirical piece a few years back about things not to do when you're creating a new sitcom. One of those things was absolutely loaded full of in jokes and, and references to previous episodes, so that it's, it's unintelligible to people who've just come along. But uh, I know what you mean. There is a, a sort of I keep on hearing HBO fanboys and so on, raving about things like The Wire and so on, and say, like, there's 21 storylines all going on at the same time. Okay. Is, is that necessary? Again, it's think? a bit like single camera film look. It works for some things, but it's getting into everything. I'm finding British drama quite a drag now. I don't get excited because everything's just sort of the same, no matter where it's set. No matter what the idea behind it is, everything is... is the, the word I use is high fructose corn syrup, which is actually <laughs> not something you get in the UK. Because it's pumped into everything. Everything looks the same. Everybody acts the same. 
actually, I've got a friend who uses the phrase too mayonnaise. <laughs> he actually used that to describe the i think it was the architecture in fresno california but it's, it's just uh, i can't quite get the word anything mark lawson likes is wrong <laughs> uh, well as a bit of a contrast i don't want to sort of suddenly farming drama club in the middle of this podcast but just to sort of in a relatively funny sort of way get it back to the sitcom land last night i watched the first episode of the Beck affair written by Alan Plato, of course, wrote uh, Selwyn and Froggett oh, back in the day. Oh, start, you started there? I st- well, I started at the beginning. Biobank Affair being the first one, I think. If I'm listening. But it isn't. Oh, well, I know, I know, no, no, it no. Isn't, I know about this prequel business. And but there's I'd... an advantage to starting with Get Lost, even though it then confuses no, issues I'm, later. No, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do it in a linear fashion, as in as in when it was made. That's, that's, I have to decide that's the way I'm going to do it. Well, Get Lost was made before Biobank Affair. I mean, what, what I'm basically that's saying... That's the whole thing. The Biobank Affair... The working title was Get Lost Revisited. What I'm basically saying is, I forgot about Get so Lost. So if you want to know how Trevor and Jill... I can't remember which is Trevor and Jill and which is Neville and Jude. <laughs> if you, <laughs> no, it, if you want an idea of how they met, you need to see Get Lost. But then again, you can't be beholden to it. It fascinates me. Okay, well, let, let me rephrase it. I completely forgotten about Get Lost <laughs> when I put the disc of Beck Affair in the machine last night. And now I've started with it. I'm going to stick to it. So there we go. But the point I was going to say was that I think it's fair to say that in that sort of 52 minutes or so, not how much happens. That's part of the charm. I mean, the, the number of things actually happen in that episode, you can easily count on one hand and have fingers to spare. But that's part of its appeal. It's it's a nice, slow burn. And it's not constantly bombarding you with, with uh, bits and pieces demanding your attention and so on. Just to go back a few moments to when I mentioned about Laps Cat uh, and his reference to Take a Letter Mr. Jones, I did want to sort of confess this now that the subject's been brought up. And admittedly, I brought it up myself, but I can't help it now. Oh, nowadays, gold currently called UK TV Gold, previously called Gold, UK Gold, and all manner of other things. Now you know, I understand that one of the reasons for that is that some of their contracts stipulate our license for this show means it will be shown on the channel called Gold, and they have to keep the word Gold in there. Yes, no, I can believe that. Yeah, I mean, there's a big hoo-ha going on at the moment about sports channels in the UK, and ESPN's going to retain presence in the UK because they actually have a contract with the FA for the FA Cup that stipulates it needs to be shown on a channel called ESPN. So yeah, no, I, I can believe that. So these days, gold tends to show the most populous stuff. It's not necessarily always the newest stuff. They do show things like Porridge and like the Lads and Pulse Terrors and so on. A lot of it's much more modern. They show things like Miranda, Mrs. Brown's Boys and so on. But back in the day, the, the mix was a bit more eclectic. And on Sunday mornings, around about 1998, UK Gold used to have a triple bill of... Now, Ocho, contain yourself, okay? You're going to love this. Take a letter, Mr. Jones. Southern TV, 1981, John Inman as male secretary to Will Lenska and has a wonderful sung theme tune. It's in my head already. It's brilliant. Written by the, the writers of On the Bosses, Chesney and Wolf. I obtain my satisfaction looking up your dress. <laughs> You've added that lick. <laughs> um, high and Dry High and Dry the ITV version of the Radio 4 sitcom that sticks out half a mile which was a sequel to Dad's Army <laughs> um, however get, even though it's, it's about a dilapidated pier which is going to be rebuilt High and Dry is entirely studio set You'd think they probably would have found like an old beaten up pier and done some outside location work. None of it. Nope, not having any of that. So basically the sky is a blue backdrop, for example. So <laughs> it, it, it's, it's lovely and um, dram cheap. And finally, here it comes. Plaza Patrol! Oh boy! Oh, it's Bodykins! Whoa! Cannonball uh, Night Watchman at the Margaret Thatcher Shopping Centre. Now, this is a bit I'm going to have to confess now. Obviously, it goes without saying that I've watched all three of these in the triple bill on gold back in the day. I mean, you, that, that bit wasn't in question. At the time, I didn't have a VHS. So, <laughs> I used to set the alarm <laughs> on Sunday morning. 
half past eight in order to see <laughs> take a letter Mr. Jones followed by Hein Trying Plaza Patrol. Don't know why I'm choosing to admit this just now. I just feel I feel this is something I need to, to just get off my chest. I did once even set an alarm for seven thirty AM in order to see the Harry Worth YTV vehicle How's Your Father? that was airing on Granada Plus at the time. They were great for that. I can't remember why, but occasionally I would find myself up early enough to watch Mr. Digby Darling. Yes, as did we all. If we hadn't already been up, that at, was unusual for me. If we hadn't already been up at six a.m. to see Boot Season Studge. Ah, the joys of cable TV and no video. But I was going to say I feel better for having admitted that I actually don't. I just feel a sense of embarrassment and extreme unease. So I'm going to move on swiftly to the next. Now let me say hello to Birdie. <laughs> We've answered two, haven't we? And it's, it's all like... <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're... This was supposed to be the little filler episode. This is going to be three times the length of the average episode. Well, it's going to be coming to an end momentarily because I actually have a prior engagement with the two other members of the sitcom club to go and discuss men behaving badly, believe it or not. Uh, we, we, it's all hands to the pump here, guys. So let me say a big hello to Birdie in New Zealand. One of our biggest supporters has been with us from episode one. She tweets, I do hope there's a Carl Lane special in the offing. Think you're brave enough, lads. Now, it's not so much a matter of just a Carl Lane special. I think we need to start at the beginning. I'm thinking maybe we need to get her Bless This House episodes into our system first and then move on from there. Carl Lane, of course, was a co-writer with... Myra Taylor, she wrote Bless This House with. And Myra Taylor basically uh, gave up writing, and Carl Lane described how she suddenly found herself on her own. But then it was it was from that that she eventually of course developed the Live of Birds, I think that was co-written to begin with as well, and all the people contributed to that. And then eventually she got into her solo work, things like Butterflies, The Mistress, I think was Kendall, and of course Bread in the mid 1980s. And Love. I don't have fond memories of Love. Now, I only recall That's Love starring Jimmy Mulville and I th- it is not think the same Lisa thing. Goddard. TVS. L U V for a start. Okay, as in Tar Love, as in the Charlie Williams novelty record. Charlie Williams was the Golden Shaw. The catchphrase I remember from Love is I hate this world. <laughs> I know somebody describes sort of Carla then as just like a woman looks out the window and goes, I feel like a little crushed flower. <laughs> and for a while I did sort of have, oh, Carla Lynn. And it's like, no, hang on a minute. This can't be right. Who, who is, who is, I can't be dismissive. Who's the star of love? Uh, let me bring up my Radio Times guide to comedy, without which no comedy podcaster should be be without hang on a minute i already used the word without i've just my sentence just collapsed in on itself there no self-respecting uk sitcom podcast can do without it's a smashing it's a smashing on all of these a smashing book i think it's out of print now but i'm sure you pick up a copy on amazon uh, hang on a minute sorry i'm at the m's i'm going backwards from the m's my pal bob i know there's bits of that existing my dead dad is in there Forbes Masson. Ah, yes, I was looking that up the other day because I suddenly remember that that existed. An, an oddity, and I believe that... Am I even thinking that's entirely set in real time? Oh. I think, I think well, at, le- at, least, at least the entire series takes place over the course of one day. I'm fairly sure of that. Ah, right, yes. It's been a long, long time since I saw that. I was thinking about 91, 92, something like that. Forbes Masson, of uh, course... Apparently based on the stage play. And Forbes Masson, of course, was partner to Alan Cumming in The High Life celebrated cult mid-90s show on BBC Two. Right, Love. Uh, two series. Now I'm singing Tar Love. I'm singing Nin- Tar Love with Charlie Williams. Tar 1993 Love. and 1994. Michael Angelis okay. and Sue Johnston were in it. Michael Angelis, I think, was in a few episodes of Live Birds, if I remember correctly. Well, yes, and he was also in the revival of the Live Birds, where they decide to reassign him to a different character. <laughs> he was a different character's brother. I thought, you don't need to do that. It's okay for these characters to know him without being related to him. Oh, remember the good old days of all those revivals? Grace and Favour, the Live Birds, 
the legacy of Reginald Perrin. They just went through that little phase in the mid-90s uh, where they just dredged up every bloody thing in sight. I'm trying, I'm flogging my brain, but nothing else comes. I'm trying to think of what would be a really inappropriate one to revive. <laughs> Maybe Dad's Army. Yeah, well, I think that the, the... Dad's Army set in 1995, just what, hap- what Wilmington on Sea is like in the 90s. But it's just going to be grim, isn't it? Because we know what it's going to be like. It's just going to be like a, a depressed seaside town, which doesn't get as much business as it used to. And most of the people that you remember from the series are dead. Well, you don't know. It's fictional. You could just sort of say that the influence of Alderman Mannering... <sighs> Managed to raise Warmington oh, above. God, we're going to meet his level. relatives. Oh, Jesus, we're going to meet everybody's. Oh, it's going to be. It's going to be all the children of all the people who were in Dad's. Oh, that's what it's going to be, isn't it? You're going to have like a modern day Spiv, and you're going to have. Welcome to that remake they were talking about as well with Miranda Hart. Part uh, what? Well, the thing is, is it's one of those things where it's hard to tell. It's like, was this a solid idea, or was this just something a newspaper made up? That must have been an April Fool. Although it does ring a bell, I do remember something about this, but I don't want to see it. I don't. I don't. It's not just. It's not just. That I don't want to see it. I've got no intention of watching it, but I don't want it to happen. And that's that's much more difficult for me to to come to terms with because I know that I can just press the off button and watch, you know, National Geographic or Sky Sports or whatever. But the point is that I don't want it to happen. How can I stop it from happening? It's not under my control. No. So anyway, Carla Lane, yes, we definitely will be looking at the work of Carla Lane, and I am hoping we'll have some new and original things to say, and we won't just start putting her down or anything like that. Well, the point, the, the problem we've got, as, as Buddy alludes to here, is that we we are, <laughs> I was going to say we are men. I didn't mean that to send like some, some sort of uh, rallying call. I just mean, literally, we're men. We're not completely locked in we're no, to no. just being the four of us talking. Well, exactly, yes. I was going to say that uh, I think that we'd probably do well to have some guests. And we do occasionally have guests on the show. Um, we've got a few guest contributors lined up in the next few weeks to comment on certain shows. So I think that if anybody, particularly of the feminine persuasion, is particularly uh, intrigued to comment on Carl Lane and join us for that, then we would welcome that. So please yeah. do let us know. Tweet us. So up. yes, Carl Lane. Yes, it's happening. But it's not just going to be a special. I think we're going to go show by show to a certain extent. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Now I think that at this point we probably best wrap up because, as I've mentioned, have um, we gone through all the letters? We we've gone through as many of the letters as I have in front of me right now. We'll come back to a few Which of these. Is two. Well, I think three. Because the first one was a request from you, wasn't it? Well, no, we, we don't need to count that. We had messages from Laps Cat, from Vicky Lee, and from Bernie. So three, plus spats, which which is four. So the point is this. Like I say, once again, thank you very much indeed for listening to the show. If it's the first one you've ever listened to, like I say, it's an atypical show. So please go back in the archives and you can hear us discussing Still Game, Up Pompeii, Manny and Jeff, and Chalk. Next week, we are slated to be discussing Men Behaving Badly. I know, Cho, you're unfortunately not going to be joining us because you don't like all that CD lab culture. That's not your kind of thing at all. <laughs> it was partially that. I, I don't really like comedy, to be honest. <laughs> I, I'd rather talk about Enemy at the Door. You've, and def- you've never actually seen a situation, company, have you? No, I, I don't own a television and have no intention <laughs> of ever doing so. But I can imagine what these. No, um, I was having technical problems when the plans for men behaving badly were starting so I wasn't able to watch it when they were forged and I don't think I'm giving too much away to say that we've had quite a lot of technical problems recording this particular episode which is why I'm having to dash shortly to, to complete it but that'll, that'll be seamless when you hear it it when is you hear the it adventures of Baron Munchausen of podcasts <laughs> well somebody actually funnily enough um, when I replied to Vicky Lee on Twitter have a look on the, the sitcom club Twitter feed have a look on there and you'll see that I've enclosed a link to an article in The Guardian about the UK remake of Everybody Loves Raymond and it mentions a film that was made about a previous attempt to do this elsewhere. So who knows? Yeah, maybe maybe we'll actually get a spin-off podcast about the making of the Men Behaving Badly podcast at some point. But just a few bits of housekeeping finally. If you haven't done so already, please visit us at sitcomclub.com. On there you will find links to our Twitter feed. You'll find references to what shows we're going to be discussing in the future. You will see our Amazon shop there and so on. Also, we are the Sitcom Club on 
Twitter and also we're now on Facebook as well. Like I say, we're produced in association with Cooked and Bombed, so do join us on there. Quite often you'll see us discussing bits and pieces, all manner of sitcom-related bits and bobs on the forum. And just finally, three things to look out for in sitcom land on your televisuals over the next week or so. These are all repeats because a lot of the shows that we've discussed, things like Vicious and The Job Lot and The Right Way, they're all sort of halfway through the run and what have you. But three repeats beginning from the start are coming on the next week or so. First one of them is this Wednesday, it's the 15th of May, Benadorm begins a repeat run from the very beginning on ITV2, 9pm. On Friday on ITV3, if you just missed the repeat run that was on about two months ago, then you can see, described by Redford Kyle as Britain's top comedy show, <laughs> Duty Free begins a repeat run. And finally, Sunday, 6.30pm on BBC Two, not Gold or any of those other pay TV channels with their adverts, but BBC Two, Sunday night, the very first episode of Porridge. So there you go, make sure you program that in the series link and if you're not of course if you're not ready watching it whatever happens to the like lads is getting a bbc repeat one right now on thursday night at 8 p.m on bbc four after the top and of i've the top just did, ordered the whole lot on dvd you have indeed and likely and whatever happened to and flavors i don't need to because i already have it and i can see it from mm. where i'm sat so that's definitely going to be good for a future oh well, that's yeah. a belter that's going to be a multi-layered multi-episode Podcast. But also my wife's going to be watching it for the very first time because you ran out of episodes of Porridge and going straight. So it's like, right, what what next can I get? Ah, something else, Clementine Lafrenet. Yes. Well, I mentioned that we the same bit, of course. Uh, it's worth tracking down. So, yes, indeed. I think that we have covered uh, a wide range of topics there. We've gone off on all manner of, of deviations there. We've gone on to US sitcoms, gone on to dramas and, and, and all manner of different things. Last thing I was just going to say, dear listeners, is, like I say, this is a sort of non-standard episode, but if you've enjoyed this, if you've liked what we've done this week as a bit of an oddity, let us know. And maybe we'll come back to this in a future week. Maybe we'll come back to the mailbag. Uh, and I suspect that if we do this again, we'll probably solicit questions and queries beforehand. So yes, thank you very much indeed, your old pal Ocho, for joining me tonight. You're welcome. I am going to make a lovely cup of tea. And then I shall speak to you all next week with Dr. Christian Troy and Boggin Strovia when we'll be discussing Men Behaving Badly. <laughs>